Welcome to Paranormal Things. We're doing Jeff Gates and his discoveries with Expedition Unknown, uh, his, his most popular ones. This is horrible. This is this, officially horrible. This is what he's uh, doing right now. Taking me to the ends of the earth. As I investigate the greatest legends in history. We're going to fly. Let's go. This is Expedition Unknown. Daring discoveries. He's in New York right now. That's got to be his office. He used to be in Los Angeles with the other uh, TV series he had. Back in time. 10,000 years back. Destination Over Truth was it. feet tall and weighing in at around six tons, woolly mammoths were among the largest mammals to ever walk the earth. But despite their awesome size, they were no match for mankind or climate change and went extinct about 10,000 years ago. Or did they? In Siberia, <laughs> paleontologists and geneticists seen, are attempting to clone seen. the king of the ice age. By recovering mammoth DNA trapped in ancient ice. Well, they Welcome got the modern-day elephant. They're going to try and clone that. Probably use that to clone. Siberia's Batagai Crater is an Ice Age graveyard. A hundred miles north of the Arctic Circle, melting permafrost and erosion have created a mile-wide sinkhole that's like a disorganized meat locker. Go down 300 feet and you'll find the remains of mammoths and other animals who lived and died 300,000 years ago. Look at that, it's just pure ice. The problem is, the erosion that makes this fossil treasure trove possible also makes this place a potential death trap. The whole wall is literally just disintegrating. Josh, look out! It's collapsing! Holy... It's a close call. He takes now, there's no risks, to go, and he's one down. of the most bravest guys I've ever seen. Diving from helicopters and everything else. Safely at the Just bottom, to prove a we point. begin our search for mammoth remains, preserved in thousands of years of permafrost. And he's a big guy. Look on it. It's a bone. It's great. What beautiful find. Look at that. Okay, so let's get a sample out of it, yeah? We have to saw into it to get to the bone marrow and collect a sample. Look at this! Oh my god. That's unbelievable. Preserve. Uh, yeah, you see this spongy structure? That's marrow, yeah? Yes, bone marrow is very well preserved. Wow, okay. We pack our samples into a cooler for transport. Okay, okay hoist it up! Robert well, they're definitely in Russia. We take all of the samples we collect in Siberia to a lab at Northeastern Federal University in Yakutsk. Yakutsk. There, efforts to complete the mammoth's DNA sequence are already underway. There are two ways to try to clone a mammoth. First, by using a complete high technology of brother. DNA. Or you can they're going to bring back brontosaurus just like they did in attempt um, to knit them together to create the whole Jurassic Park. But we won't just be testing the bone specimens that we collected. Alexi takes me to a freezer to see something astounding. The world's best preserved remains of a woolly mammoth. Whew, strong smell. Yeah, it's a trunk of mammoths. Are you kidding me? No. That is so incredible. And is this more of it here? Oh my God, this is the leg. This is the leg. Look at that. Perfectly preserved leg. It looks like an elephant. Excellent preservation. Looks like an elephant's uh, foot. Awesome. 
This carcass was recovered several years ago, and today we'll be attempting to extract its DNA. From the freezer, we go to the genetics lab. Hey, Lena. Oh, hello. Where our bone and tissue samples are sectioned and processed. Unbelievable preservation. Hey, moment of truth. Thank you. Here we go. All right. It looks like we actually got some DNA from our samples. Great. Our field samples reveal strands of DNA. So we've got DNA and we're off and running. Yeah. And if we had the complete DNA of a mammoth, if we had a live cell, what would it look like? We'll see a line way up here. Way up at the top. We would have something right up here. Right. It's a good start for us. Yeah. Good. Okay. Yeah. Let's check out the other sample. Next, we examine the preserved this tissue is, from the mammoth's leg and trunk. That's higher. It actually looks really great because if you compare it with the reference, it's actually above 2,000 base pairs. So this is that's measurements for DNA, I guess. Not so far. Really? Yeah. Well, that's that's uh, that's a hell of a start. That's great. Yeah, that's a great start. Yes. Yeah. The samples we tested in Siberia continue to be studied and remain some of the longest strands of mammoth DNA ever sequenced. And since our visit, there are other exciting announcements. So, this is an update. 4,000 acres aside, set aside. thousand acres of Siberian park. wilderness to create Pleistocene Park, a grassland filled with bison, oxen, and hopefully one day soon, clone mammoths. Oh, that'd be something. Geneticists from Harvard have successfully spliced portions of mammoth DNA into embryos of its closest living relative, an Asian elephant. A living hybrid could be born in as little as two years. So stay tuned. In the not-too-distant future, the Arctic tundra might be teeming with once-extinct creatures of the Ice Age. Amazing. My next daring discovery is another descent into the land of the dead. But this, this time, is Expedition it's the Unknown Underworld. Daring Discoveries. This is brought to you on well, Daily Motion by Travel Channel. The Yucatan Peninsula is enjoying a golden age and of architecture, too. innovation, and art. And me. The Mayans established more than 4,000 cities, home to over 20 million people. But then, around 800 AD, they suddenly abandoned their massive temples to be reclaimed by the jungles. Why did the Mayan civilization collapse? Spanish? Was it war? Disease? Famine? Archaeologist got there first. us to a flooded cave called a cenote, deep in the jungles of the Yucatan. Whoa, whoa, whoa. How far down is that? 70 feet. That's a bad fall if you go down there. Oh, yeah. Only about a dozen people have ever braved this descent. And I do mean brave. And how exactly does one get to the bottom of this thing? Uh, we're going to use ropes. There's no other way. And, uh... We're going to use these to uh, support us? Yeah. We had only had maybe three people falling. <laughs> They're going to go down into the 78-foot <laughs> sinkhole. It's full of water. We prepped for my descent into the underworld. Don't drop me. I trust you guys. Okay. Holy good lord. <laughs> Daring discoveries. Today, my That's what you're seeing, hearing today. I'm seeing, you're hearing. Smaller rope. Don't drop me. I trust you guys. 
Okay, holy good lord. 78 feet down into a, into a sinkhole full of water. flooded cavern in the jungles of Mexico's Yucatan Peninsula. And unfortunately, there's no elevator to the bottom. That log, it's oh. suffering. <laughs> Why are you messing with me right now? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're good. You're good. See you later. Guys, making fun of He's done many descents, in it, and this is Josh Gay's first. Oh my God! You are not going. She's to just hanging there. There's stalactites and. It's a huge cavern. Bats. Just like it, just like at Luray Caverns or something. That's a spot in Virginia. Guillermo's coming down. The rope, and we dive into the black water. You can't see nothing unless you have a special camera. It's dark. Darkness all behind him with uh, ro rocks, stalactites, things like that. Things you see in a cavern. The Mayans believed that cenotes were the home of Chak, the rain god, as well as gateways to the underworld. It's easy to see why. This place is both astoundingly beautiful and astonishingly creepy. Skeleton. There's a skull. It's probably from sacrifices to the gods. Mayan people did that. That's what I thought. Sacrifice. Mayan gods, they brutally murdered, take their hearts out, all this baloney that totally became civilized today. They were considered civilized then, right? So it's preserved. It's preserved until they um, do diggings. With our air supply running low, we head back towards daylight. Pull, pull, pull. Amazing. Daily motion. Another world down there. It's a dark, scary, and very cool world. It's good to be back up here in the land of the living. 
Geologists from Rice University recently took a sediment survey in a giant sinkhole off the coast of Belize, known as the Great Blue Hole. The sample showed that in the decades just before the Mayan collapse, there were only one or two tropical cyclones instead of the usual five or six. That means a lot less rainfall. It backs the findings from our expedition, and we can now say with a high degree of certainty that a drought contributed to the collapse of the mighty Mayan Empire. But a lack of water wasn't a deal-breaker for other civilizations. Our next daring discovery involves a society that thrived in one of the driest climates on Earth. And they made the desert their canvas for some of the largest-scale artwork on the planet. Wow, look at this. Those are the Nazca Lines. Nazca. In the 1920s, the advent All of the air travel led to a stunning archaeological discovery in Peru. Spiders and Huge Peru. sculptures that were dubbed the Nazca Lines. I wonder Lines. if they, wonder they, if they did miles, too. They an area of almost too. 200 square miles. The hummingbird, the condor, the spider, the monkey, and nearly a hundred more designs. How did they do that? They are beautiful, but also a mystery. Are they astronomical charts, graffiti, or coded symbols for aliens? One thing we do know is who created them, the Nazca and Paracas people. Paracas, okay. Time to discover what's Historian going on. Brian Forrester takes me out of the desert to see some of their more recently discovered handiwork. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Just unexcavated. Yeah. Trapped in the dunes. Yeah. A pyramid. A pyramid trapped in the dunes in the middle of the de desert. There are hundreds. The foundation of it at least uh, would be 2,000 plus years old. The Paracas were the first established culture of this area. So the Paracas were responsible for at least 50% of the geoglyphs and lines, and then the Nazca the second 50%. When you look at the Nazca lines, when you look at the glyphs and the geometric shapes and the Paracas shapes, mm -hmm. what do you think they're for? There's no real cohesion or basic pattern. I think some of them are for solar and lunar alignment. Some of them are ceremonial pathways. Some of them are for tracking underground water systems. Hmm. This is an astounding theory. Brian believes that the lines were used for astronomical and ceremonial purposes, but that many of them are also maps that lead to water, the underground rivers and natural wells vital to survival in the desert. We set out to test his theory by following the lines. You think there's ancient water sources here? It's possible that slightly under the ground of that area, we can find water, uh, you know, today. Looking for water in the desert? Yeah. Sounds like a challenge. We track several prominent lines to an intersection where we find a series of depressions in the sand. What do we think these depressions are? It could actually be accesses these are Josh Gates' like wells for daring water. discoveries really? yeah. in deserts, so sinkholes. Well, I'm saying it's possible. He'll go yeah. anywhere. There's uh, an adventure. Well, let's give it a whirl. Let's see if there's anything here. Soil's getting harder. Yeah. Any water digging down? Oh, wait, wait. You must have found something. See when they come back. This daring discovery is in the Peruvian desert. I'm digging for a buried treasure that truly meant life or death for the ancient people here. Water. 
Our theory is that they created the Nazca Lines as a giant map to locate underground wells. Nazca Lines are spiders and stuff Whoa. created by these ancient oh, people. Wait, wait. Look at that. Wet soil. Yeah, you've hit the water table. Water. There he is. She, he could probably use water a drink of it. He drank about, or he that dug about. So cool. Amazing. <laughs> you know what? I don't want to say that I doubted you, but I really doubted you. Thanks for the hard work. <laughs> this is incredible. It really may be that the shapes and the Nazca lines do point to water. Some of them at least, yeah. It's hard to argue with that. Wet soil, right here. Satellite imagery has also revealed that the Nazca had a well-planned system of highly engineered underground canals and wells known as puquillos. These water puquillos. sources are often near the giant glyphs, furthering the theory that these images were, at least in part, an indicator of where to find precious water. Water in the desert, if you know where to look. And if, as the saying goes, knowing is half the battle, then maybe the other half is catching a lucky break. Like the one that leads to a major archaeological find in my next daring discovery. In 1566, the, 1566. Turkish conqueror Suleiman the Magnificent had most of Eastern Europe in his grasp, but his conquest of Hungary would become his last stand. As all-out war rages around him, dies of natural causes in his tent. His body is taken back to Turkey, but legend oh, says this guy took his heart out. Jeez. I think I remember this story. Box, and it has never stopped beating. There's a search for it, and I guess Josh is part of in that. You're just outside the town of Sigetvar, Hungary. You think Local it was rotten or dust by now. penetrating radar have located what might be the Sultan's tomb. This black spot here. What do you think it is? Maybe the tomb. We could be standing on top of the tomb of Suleiman. Right here. Right here? Get a shovel. <laughs> Why is that funny? Why can't we do that? Because we have, haven't got permission. We have to wait for the permits. You have to wait. How much longer until you have a permit? One month. Not content to wait, we obtained permission from the landowner to access the one excavation that already exists on the property. The wine cellar. One cell's got a key about a foot long. They're going into a deep wine cellar. It looks, it looks ancient. Of the Sultan's heart. How far back does this go? Those barrels? Barrels. Old wine barrels. How old is the cellar, do you think? I think 200 years old or older. This is crazy. You must go to a to a dead end. Okay, end of the line end. here, yeah? Yep. I mean, we're definitely under the vineyard now. The earthen walls here aren't reinforced, and they're crumbling. Norbert, will you bring that light down here a little bit closer to you? Sure, to light my scarf on fire. <laughs> and this is the back wall here. You can see the tunnel continues there, too. Let's see what's he in like here. scarves, different kinds. Of, I don't know if he's that's his religion or what. Digging here is easy, but every handful of this loose earth could be making the walls more unstable. We can't dig very far, or we risk a cave-in. What's that? 
Something? Something here? Something. Something hard. Daily motion. No for hesitation. That's huge. Pretty. I'm trying to get these on a different level. What is this? Carved. A carved stone. Carved stone. It belonged to a big Ottoman building. Maybe the tomb. I'm actually kind of speechless. There is something here. We're touching it. The Sultan's heart could be right here. It could be right here. Listen, can you hear it? Everybody listen. Everybody listen very carefully. Is anybody here heartbeat? We want a heartbeat. Yeah, and I'm Dracula. You're going to find a lot more of these. Hopefully in the shape of a tomb. They hope so. Weeks later, permission to search further is granted. This is an update. Less than a foot away from where we were digging, they find the Sultan's tomb. The project is still ongoing, and the Sultan's remains have yet to be uncovered. But recently, five of his descendants donated DNA samples to researchers. That way, if a golden box with a potentially beating heart is found, they'll be able to positively identify it as the remains of Suleiman the Magnificent. Suleiman the Magnificent. But there is another chest of gold that leads me on my next daring discovery. In fact, it's a whole boatload of gold. In 1715, a fleet of 12 Spanish galleons loaded with looted Incan gold from Peru heads for Europe. But a week into their voyage, a huge hurricane destroys 11 of the vessels just off the coast of Florida. They tried to go later, through a hurricane with wooden ships. A dollars in treasure still remains scattered across the ocean floor. Just somebody might found. somebody might find it newly rediscovered writings in a century they'll have an update on this one reveal that one of the ships may have sunk farther north than the rest of the fleet North Carolina to check it out I set sail with a pair of expert divers Greg bounds and Terry Wilder where do you think you'll succeed where other treasure hunters maybe haven't well the technology today is changed and I use that to my advantage out hunting uh, for the wrecks. Me, I love the thrill of the hunt. Yeah. You're really biting off on this idea that it's to the north. Uh, there's not a doubt in my mind there's a ship up to the north. You'll probably discover it. Because <clears throat> I think they see a cannon. We set our <clears throat> instruments and head north toward the Florida-Georgia border. Thank God for the invention of GPS. On our way there, Greg shows me the state-of-the-art technology he was talking about. Okay, so this is, uh, I believe, uh, a Hellfire missile, is that correct? This is a cesium magnetometer. What it does is it senses the Earth's magnetic field. And any iron, ferrous metal that's laying on the bottom, like cannons, anchors, or some ballast stones, it measures that change in the magnetic field. So uh, this really is the secret weapon? This is a secret weapon for finding wrecks, absolutely. We lower this our is secret amazing. weapon into the water. The technology they have now, it could be lowered hundreds of feet down. To detect metal. All right. Just as he now explained. And we wait. And wait. We tow the magnetometer in a grid pattern over the search area, waiting for telltale blips. Then, suddenly. We got a target here. We're on it. A nice target right here. Looks like a big hit or not? It looks like a pretty good sized target. Great. 
I'm sure they're going to die for it. <clears throat> One of the most intriguing and potentially interesting discoveries in expedition unknown history could be right underneath us. We're searching off the coast of Florida for a fleet of Spanish ships that sunk in 1715, loaded with treasure looted from South America. Suddenly, our fancy high-tech metal detector starts singing its siren song. We got a target here. Here we go. We're on it. All right. We're on it. Got a nice target right here. We're just passing over that. We just passed. See, here's our magnetometer towing it. Uh -huh. We just left it here. Looks like a big hit or not? It looks like a pretty good-sized target. This Great. And the hits keep on coming. Another one right there. Yeah. That's a good sign that we have multiple targets in an area. It makes a nice debris field. So uh, the only way to know what they are, though, is to get in the water and find out. Let's do that. All right. That sounds good to me. Greg marks the spot with a buoy. And we get ready to dive in. Visibility is poor. Weather has kicked up a lot of silt from the ocean floor. We'll need handheld metal detectors to find our fortune. A lot of silt. What are we looking for? This is the Atlantic Ocean they're diving in. Close to the coast of the United States. Georgia, Florida border. We search until our optimism and oxygen levels run low. Then, Greg gets a hit. Word, word, ship went down. How big is it? It's the right size for the fleet. Spanish 18th century. Oh my god, amazing! Greg ties a buoy to the cannon and marks it on GPS so he can come back and fully excavate the site. We use up most of our remaining oxygen to scan the surrounding area. Then it's time to head home. Between the cannon and the other buried debris, there's every reason to believe that we may have just discovered one of the ships from the 1715 fleet. Could be. We did it, man. We found a cannon. Good job, man. Awesome. Rough sea conditions have hampered efforts to excavate the area further. This but is an update uh, on the hardship. Uh, fleet were found on a beach near the wreck site. There's no way to know which of the ships it came from, but it's compelling evidence that we're close to finding more of the lost fleet. Pieces of eight. Spanish doubloons. Underwater archaeology presents a unique set of challenges. Limited access and changing sea conditions mean these dives are difficult or even deadly. However, our next daring discovery shows just how rewarding underwater investigations can be. Amelia Earhart, whatever happened there after going down in the hero to explorers like me. Pacific Ocean. Tragically, her goal of circumnavigating the globe ended with her disappearance somewhere over the South Pacific in 1939. Tasca, Tasca. That was the ship was tracking divers her. off the coast of Papua New Guinea have found a downed plane that could be Earhart's lost Lockheed Model 10 Electra. I make contact with local dive expert and aircraft historian Rod Pierce. Hey, how are you? Yeah. Are you Josh, Rod? Good yeah. 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 Nice to meet you. Yeah. Pleasure. 
So I hear you're the man in the know about uh, airplane wrecks. Yes, yes. Been researching them since the 70s. How do you locate these wrecks? Basically with uh, sonar. Mm -hmm. And that will draw you an outline of, of a plane or a wreck or whatever you're looking for. We've heard reports, recent reports, of some aircraft wreckage out here near Rabaul and some people sort of whispering that it, they think it may be Earhart's plane that may have come back here. You heard yeah, those stories? I've, I've also heard that. I think it could be her plane? Anything's possible. The only way to know is to go out, investigate it, and see what we can find. Rod and I steam out into the bay in the shadow of a smoldering volcano. As we cruise out to the site, we tow a sonar scanner behind the boat. We're going to try and find the Meteor Hearts uh, airplane. Could have sunk off the coast of uh, Papua New Guinea. produced 147 Model 10 Electras, only four ever visited Papua New Guinea, and three are accounted for. So if Rod and I find an Electra in this harbor, it's Earhart's. This is kind of a waiting game now. We've got this side scan sonar in the water, we're towing it behind the boat, and it's just giving us a beautiful image of the ocean floor. And we're just kind of going back and forth, eliminating each sector as we go through it, and looking for wreckage while we go. For sure, come here. Look at that. Look at that. That's a plane. That's a plane. Right? Now that is definitely a plane. Great. That's amazing. Uh, one wing is buried in the sand. Or missing. Or missing. We'll put the anchor down. Let's do it. Way to go, Josh. He's got an airplane. Let's get wet. I'd be excited too. He goes to some exotic places on this earth. Okay. Japanese and American ships and planes fought in World War II near Papua New Guinea to get the Japanese off the islands. Rod believes this is a Grumman TBF Avenger, an Allied torpedo bomber that proved indispensable in defeating the Japanese during World War II. Well, they found the bones, yeah. That's good. They could probably mark them and find out who it is. They do that all the time. On my expedition in search of missing aviator Amelia Earhart, historian Rod Pierce and I discover a downed World War II-era torpedo bomber with its pilot still inside. I think we have human remains here. It's a Grumman TBF Avenger, which would have carried a three-person crew. That's certainly what I am. Certainly. want to leave this and uh, tag it for, for further analysis. Uh, certainly don't want to disturb what's in here. Yep, 
he knows what he knows what to do being accounting agency investigators then spent months recovering remains from the plane the remains were repatriated in a ceremony in may of last year it was an enormous honor to be a part of the recovery of three american heroes but the aviation icon we were searching for was not there where did Amelia Earhart land? Yielded yet another discovery. Once she did her uh, May Day. In 1940, human bones are found on the Pacific island of Nicomararo. Within flight range of Earhart's last radio contact. Amid speculation that it could be her remains, the recovered bones are stored in a wooden box and sent to a medical examiner. A report is filed, and the box changes hands several times, ending up in the possession of a doctor living on the island of Fiji in this house. By 1968, the house belongs to John Gray's parents, and there's a gruesome secret stashed under the floorboards. Is that, is that box problem? Okay, so 13-year-old boy, you decide you're going to go into that crawl space. Yep, I got into that, crawled out of the house, and there it was, this box. John opens the box and sees a human skull staring back at him. His parents call the local police, who take the box away, and the bones are lost to history. Is it possible that those were the Nicomararo bones, and could, could be the remains of Amelia Earhart? Evidence might Nick still be Mararo. here under the house. Nick Do you think anybody has been under here since 1968? By the looks of things, no. Not at all. Where under here did you find the box? Right in there, where that timber stump is. I see it, yeah, about halfway back. That's great. Oh, man. Well, I see a lot of spider webs. That's yep. not a good sign. The snakes are actually up in that corner, right down the end there. Will you knock it off? It should be all right. <laughs> Scaring Josh. Because I don't know how in the world he can get under there. I'm claustrophobic. I couldn't do half of what he does. Especially if you're a guy who's six foot three. Like I said, he's a big okay, guy. John, I'm pushing over toward the area where you found the box. Oh, boy. There has got to be a better way to make a living. Is it this beam right yep, here, the small there. one? You're right there. That's it? it? That's it. Okay. So this was where the box was. John? Yeah? Just making sure you didn't go home. When you found the box, yes. did they go through the underside of this house with a fine-tooth comb? No. I just wanted to get rid of the box. But the police didn't come down here. No. You would think after they found this box filled with bones, they would have come down here and done a more thorough search. But I don't see anything around there other than a lot of dirt and some of this coral. This does not look like coral to me. It looks like live bone. This looks like bone. It's a human remain. I got a bone down here, for sure. A big piece of bone. I don't know if it's human or not, but this is definitely bone. Wow. That is a bone. I mean, that looks like a human bone to me. Another one? Part of a vertebrae? My goodness. More? 
in a million years, I didn't think I was going to actually find bones under this house, but I I'm looking at a, a handful of them right here, and I'm just barely scratching the surface. Amazing. There's more down here. There's more down here. I mean, what is that from? I, it's everywhere I look. I mean, I'm, I'm putting the skeleton together down here. It might be time to call the police department to come over here and take a look, because a couple of them could be human. I don't know. The bones that I found under the house transform our archaeological dig into a possible homicide investigation. CSI Fiji stops us from filming anything further under the house. The bones were found last night at the forensics lab and waiting on analysis of this. The bones were sent to a lab for analysis. DNA confirms that they are indeed human, but from a male. So they can't be the remains of Amelia Earhart, but could they possibly belong to her navigator, Fred Noonan? The jury is still out. Meanwhile, investigator Rick Gillespie and the International Group for Historic Aircraft Recovery, or TIGER, continue to explore the theory that Earhart crash-landed and perished on the remote island of Nicomararo. This group plans to search for her plane off the western edge of the island in the coming year. We'll keep you posted on what they find. There's another unsolved aeronautical mystery that we're investigating. One so difficult that the FBI has actually given up on solving it. But our recent discovery may crack the case wide open. Northwest 305, we're being hijacked. That was about D.B. Cooper. He uh, hijacked a plane in Washington, D.C. and and left the left the mystery. That'll be on the next part. Till we meet again, sleep tight.